Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to episode 103 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and this episode is part of our Vibrant Music Studio 101 series. This building block is called Profitable. Welcome back, lovely teachers. This is the third episode in our sort of foundational series, which I'm calling Vibrant Music Studio 101. So this is the third episode, so 101 and 102 were the first two episodes in this series. And in them, I talked about treating your business as a business, accepting your identity as a business owner, and moving forward as if you are a business owner, because you are. So if you haven't checked those out already, go back to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 101 or slash 102 and listen to those first. Because today we're going to talk about being profitable. That's our building block word of the day. And if you haven't accepted that you're running a business, there is no way you're going to get on board with making your studio properly profitable and financially successful. But if you have taken on that identity, if you see yourself as a business owner, then this is a natural goal, right? It almost doesn't need to be said that your business should be profitable, because otherwise why are you in business? And yet, many studios are not really profitable, or not to the extent that they should be. So today, let's dive into the basics of setting up a studio structure that means that you actually can be profitable long-term in a steady and predictable way. The first step here is to have simple and consistent payment policies. So we talked about policies in the last episode, but the payment section requires a little further diving, right? In your policy sheet, and in the policies that you run your studio by for your own reference, you need to have defined when people are going to pay you, how they're going to pay you, and how much they're going to pay you. Sounds simple. And it is, it is simple. But there are some things you can do very, very wrong that can lead you down bad pathways here. So the first bad choice, quote-unquote, is to charge per lesson. This is still pretty prevalent in our industry. Based on our survey last year, it's trending down, right? Teachers are starting to move to monthly payments and other longer term 
types of payments. But if you are still charging per lesson, I really want to encourage you to make the switch now to some kind of flat rate payment system. I don't particularly care whether you choose to go with monthly payments or semesters or terms. That's kind of a judgment call and it depends on your particular studio and your community. What is important though is that you're not taking cash at each lesson or checks at each lesson or Venmo at each lesson. You need to be doing something that is based on a longer term commitment to your studio. Unless you offer a particular service where people really do just come a few times and they organize each lesson individually, right? So if you're doing something where you're offering particular advice to performers directly before their performances to help them with anxiety, that's just a random example of something selective. If you're doing something like that and they go in and they book an appointment in your calendar, I think it's fine to charge per lesson, right? You don't have to be selling blocks of lessons there and that person isn't going to commit to the same slot every week. However, if you're running a standard studio where students come at the same time every week, you need to change your policies if you're charging per lesson. Because you're doing a lot more than just showing up for that lesson. That's not all you do for that student. You do planning outside. You do things like listen to this podcast where you learn about running your studio and teaching best practices and all of that stuff. So they're not actually paying you on a per lesson basis. However, they are going to think that they are. They're going to think that they're paying for that 30 minutes out of your week. And that's not accurate. And if they end up thinking that, it's going to lead to all sorts of problems like loads of makeup lessons. Another one of my bugbears. If parents think that they're paying for 30 minutes out of your week, they are naturally going to think that you should make up that time if you miss it, or that they shouldn't pay you for that time if they miss it. And so that's not an effective way to run your business. Okay, so either you're going to go with monthly payments or term-based payments or semesterly payments. I hope I've convinced you of that fact. Which one you go with is entirely up to you. In my studio, I offer a choice, semester or month. So semester is twice per year and monthly is obviously every month for the 10 months that I run my regular lessons. Parents can choose between those and they get a discount for the semester option due to the lower bank fees that I incur and the fewer trips to the bank and all of that stuff. A little bit less admin. So it's just a 5% discount, but it does slightly incentivize people to choose the semesterly option since that is the bigger commitment. Okay, so whether you go with one of those or both or terms, 10-week terms, if schools run that way where you are, I think it's absolutely fine. Just decide on what you're going to do and stick to it. Then decide how students are going to pay you, how parents are going to pay you. Are they allowed to pay by cash, check, bank transfer, PayPal? Or are you going to set up an online invoicing system like Wave or My Music Staff so that they can pay by credit card? Any of those options are completely fine. And again, you can offer a choice if you want to. I went through some of that in our policies episode last week. But what I didn't mention then was about late fees. And this is something you might want to bring in. You might have it as a line in your policies. 
Just don't expect it, like with any of your policies, don't expect it to do the work for you. If you are going to have late fees because you find late payments to be an issue in your studio or you're just worried about that because you very much rely on this income coming in on time every month, then you may want to bring in a late fee, but you're going to have to enforce it. And I think the number one best way to enforce it is to automate it. Because we're humans and we're teachers who are generally very feeling humans. And so it's going to be really hard for you to send out that email, or for most people anyway, to send out that email that says, you're three days late, I've added an extra 3% to your invoice, or whatever your terms are. They don't have to be that strict or that stringent, but set them up and find a way to automate them. So if you're going to have a late fee, definitely implement some kind of invoicing system where you can do that automatically and add it to their invoice and you don't have to think about it. Now, a few other notes about what you actually charge and how you charge it. The first is for travel teachers, teachers who go to students' houses. If that describes you, please, please, please charge a travel fee. Don't charge what you would have charged in person and go to students' houses. You should absolutely be charging a premium rate or adding on a separate travel fee, depending on what way you want to structure it, for that service. It is a premium service. It stops parents from having to run to your house. It's easier for them. Maybe they can't do it because they have a childminder during the day and they don't drive. Whatever the reason, that is a extra service, right? It's a luxury, quote unquote, item to add to your piano lesson bill and they should be paying you for it. So please do not charge the same thing as teachers who have lessons at their own home if you are going to students' homes, right? Now, once you have set up your rates and you'll base it on others in the area and what you think the market will bear and all of that stuff when you first set them up, but once you have your rates decided, I want to encourage you to raise them every single year. Don't let them stay the same, even if it's 1%. And I would venture to guess it should be more than that. But even if it's a 1% increase, will you do it every year? I have run into so many teachers who have let it go on for 10, 15, 20 years at the same rate. And now they have to raise it. And in order to bring it up to in line with where the market actually is, what they actually should be charging by this stage, they have to either do a huge jump or do it over several years, but that's still several huge jumps. And it's just going to be painful. You're going to lose students. People are going to be annoyed with you. If you do it every year, they're not annoyed. They just expect it. It's fine. No one bats an eyelid at me raising my rates. They know it changes every year. That's to be expected. So if you're not currently doing that, please start now because you at least need to raise normally a couple of percent, depending on your country and what happens economically that year, to stay at the same rate. It's called a cost of living increase. And it just means all you're doing is following where the economy is actually at, right? What that money actually means a year later. So you can look up calculators for that online if you're curious. But really, I think you should be raising it a little bit more than that because you have gotten better, you've added services, you've 
added additional things to your studio and resources and all of this stuff happens almost every year. So consider rating your rates every year as a standard policy. And when you do it, just send it out to your families in your studio and let them know about it. That's the frame this should come from. I am letting you know that these are my new rates. I'm not saying you should use those actual words. I'm saying don't apologize. Don't send them out and say, if you would like to re-enroll or I'm actually going to have to raise my rates because my granddad needs surgery and my cat has to go to the vet and X, Y, Z. No, that's not why you have to raise your rates. You just are raising your rates. You don't have to give a reason unless there is a specific thing that's happening. So like if you're adding on a registration fee and it's because you've implemented all of these apps and subscriptions, fair enough, mention that. That's, you know, essentially a reimbursement. And you need to explain to them why that extra fee is adding on. But if you're just doing a standard rate increase, don't apologize, don't explain it. Just send out the new sheet, simple sheet explaining the different options in your studio probably also with your new policies for the new year and re-enrollment forms. Send them out before the end of the last year and just ask for the enrollment forms to be returned. That's it. You don't have to point out that this went up by that much and that went up by that much and you're so sorry but it had to be done. Okay? Raising your rates in this way every year is actually going to be easier for families. So for those of you who this kind of pains you to do it, First of all, put on your business hat (laughs) that you accepted in an earlier podcast and then acknowledge that this is actually better for families too because small, predictable steps up in fees are easier for them and for you than big jumps would be. The last note on raising your rates in terms of just our basic foundational facts Or advice is not to grandfather in old students. Don't leave older students, as in longer standing students, at a previous rate and introduce the new rates for new students. Number one, because it's complicated and we don't need more complication in your life. Number two, because there's no real reason for it. And number three, because you're going to end up slightly feeling like you resent those lessons after a while, and especially if something comes up. So if you see that they, you know, you say, okay, well, if if anyone is having trouble, I'll leave you at the old rate for now. And then loads of people take you up on that. And then you see one of those people with a new Mercedes going to be going, see, they, you know, and of course they were going to take you up on it. Anyone will take that deal, but that doesn't mean they couldn't afford it. So a scholarship system is totally something you could consider implementing in your studio to help families who wouldn't be able to access music education for their child otherwise. That's a different thing. But don't grandfather in all of your older students at your old rate when you increase your rates. The last thing I want to mention in our profitable section, this has been mostly about rates and policies around getting paid on time. And that stuff is all important to being profitable. It's all part of the picture because if you don't look after those immediate things, the of the moment things to do with money, you won't be profitable in the long term. However, I also want you to make sure that you're stepping back and putting in place budgeting systems and financial planning 
for your studio. Don't just take in money and spend money as it comes through and as it goes out, whatever way it happens during the year, and then look back at the end and say, hmm, what did I make? That's not what a business owner would do. Put on your business hat and sit down and make goals and projections and budgets every year. And check in with those budgets regularly, at least once a month. If you do that, you're so much more likely, I mean, it's completely within your control, that you will be profitable. And that's the goal here. So I'll leave more resources in terms of budgeting, rate setting, raising your rates, all that good stuff on our show notes page. If you want to go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 103, you can get to those. And in the meantime, go forth and be profitable. I'm rooting for you. See you next week. Early on in this pandemic, I decided to keep the podcast a pandemic panic free zone as teachers look for a bit of respite from what's going on in the world right now. And that's going to continue. But if you do need access to resources, we absolutely have them available for you to help you improve your online teaching game, to get you set up, to help you with whatever you need. So if you're not a member, you can sign up using the coupon code online right now. You can use that for monthly membership and it will get you one week trial to the membership for just one dollar so that you can test it out and get access to the resources that you need. Games for online teaching, creative ideas and tech help as well. If you are a member, all you need to do is jump over to the library or into our community forums and we'll be able to help you there. See you on the inside. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.